0: These books so are about and who they are for. Absolutely. So, we've got um, two books. We've got one called Commitment, uh, which is this one here, which you would have probably seen on the video. Uh, and we've got a leader's guide that goes along with it, and that's this one here. And we've got, for the, the very special few, we have a couple of hardcovers. We only printed a few of those. Um, so, it's a, it's a book about what, the, what are the values of a committed Christian, basically.
1: Awesome. Um, so, uh, each book for different categories or different, different types of people? Yeah.
0: yeah, well, I mean, the commitment book's sort of written for anybody. Um, you know, it, it just sort of works through what are the values in um, for a committed Christian, what does that look like, it goes through some verses. So, you could just read this one just on your own if you're interested in just reading it as a book. But the other, the, this one, the Leader's Guide, is sort of designed, it's got the same content but with some sort of answers for the leaders and some guidance for the leaders. So, you could use these books to work through like work, um, you know, meet with someone in a discipleship sort of a rela- relationship or use it in a Bible study or at a book club or something to talk through some of these concepts and the, le- the leader's guide just helps you as the leader to, to answer the questions that might come up and yeah, so it's for anybody who's interested in digging a bit deeper into their Christian faith and really sort of understanding what are the values that we hold really um, as central for, for us at Soul Revival. Awesome. Uh, so, who who wrote it? Who were the great minds behind the book? <laughs> so, all of the pastors, so Jai, uh, um, Stu, Paul, and I, um, we went through and wrote, e- each of us wrote one of the sort of chapters, some of us wrote more than one, um, as we were preparing for the commitment um, Bible study series that we did last year. And along with that, we wrote, each of us, depending on what chapter, we wrote um, a set of devotions to go with it. So, I sort of edited all of that put it together into this format and turned it more into a sort of a book format so we could combine the devotions the bible study and some of the sort of key points out of the sermons together into a book.
1: Awesome I feel like you kind of touched on this but um how long has this have these books been in the works for?
0: Well the the process of writing the content for the um sermon series and and um and bible study series actually took quite a lot, lot of time it was uh, the series is 10 weeks and I think it probably took maybe three times that time to write <laughs> to write them originally. But then the, the editing process to put it into a book, um, I guess, was over the last couple of months that's been happening and liaising with, with a publishing house and getting all of that done, getting beautiful design for the cover done by Jared and Hayley. And yeah, that, that's sort of been the last month or so of doing that.
1: Awesome. it's A lot of work. But uh, yeah, super exciting. So, I think the pressing question is, how can we all get one?
0: Yeah. There's only a limited number available, so, <laughs> to get in quick, but yeah, you could just buy, <laughs> buy them um, at any of the services. We'll, I guess we'll have um, some copies at all the services this weekend um, and just ask any of the passes. I, I think ideally we'll get it available somehow to order online, but we haven't got that set up yet. And we are, there's a, a digital version in the works, uh, so over the next couple of months you'll be able to buy it on any of the iBook platforms that are around as well so just chat to one of the pastors and, and um, we'll get your copy.
1: Awesome thank you so much Karen and if you guys would like to grab a copy get on it quick. <laughs> Today's passage is Ecclesiastes 9, verses 1 to 12. So if you want to grab open a Bible or your phone, uh, the passage will also be on the screen. All right. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For those living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for god has already approved what you do always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that god has given you under the sun and all your meaningless days for this is not your for this is your lot in life and your toilsome labor under the sun Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, No one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in the cruel net, or birds taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them.
2: Thank you, Gemma. I have the opportunity tonight to, or today, to look at this pretty heavy passage. Uh, it's It's a pretty heavy passage at first glance, and second glance, and maybe even third glance, if you read it again in the next little while. And, and it might seem bleak as I read through here uh, and, and lead us in this sermon today. Um, but it's a really important passage, and it addresses a key theme of the book that we've been going through. The book is Ecclesiastes, and this is the last sermon in that series. Uh, and the last sermon on this series is about death. So before I get into it properly, I'm going to pray so I can lead us through this pretty heavy topic. Heavenly Father, I pray that you can lead me as I talk about this really heavy topic and also lead everyone listening to be able to hopefully learn something today and hopefully garner understanding of your word and what you have to say for us today. Amen. So, Ecclesiastes 9, it's a bleak picture of what the teacher calls a common destiny. Life for all people will be like this death will come to everyone, and the life we live now is uncertain. So, live in the happiness of the little things. That's kind of this passage as a summary. Uh, And that's this sermon's first few points. That's what I'm going to look at today. If you're a note taker, I'm going to talk about the fact that death is certain and that life is uncertain. And those two points, they're gonna be pretty bleak. Um, and so I wanna pre, pre-warn you there. Death is certain, life is uncertain. But that, what's excellent about this passage is in light of knowing this reality, we can look at how we can enjoy life with that knowledge. The, the reality is seen in the passage that we just read and that passage is, actually reminded me a little bit about this interview that I'm about to show you uh, with Richard Ayoade uh, from 2014. Uh, It's it's an interview he did on a late show, uh, and I'm gonna show you the ending of that interview real quick. Death is certain. The teacher reflects on everything he's learned about living under the sun, and concluded that everyone is going to die. Richard said, we're always running out of time, and we're dying now. The joke from Ayoade is what we see in verses one to six. Uh, Of chapter 9, which says, all share a common destiny, death. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. It doesn't matter what your life looks like now, it doesn't matter what your definition of fair is or what your definition of justice is. The same fate will hit everyone. Verse 3 says, the same destiny overtakes all. Now, I've just finished watching The Mandalorian. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's a new Star Wars show on Disney+. Uh, some villains in that are stormtroopers. If you haven't heard of stormtroopers, they're just the foot soldiers in the Star Wars universe. Uh, they're wearing white armor. They've been around since... Star Wars began, they're very iconic. Now, one of the things that they are iconic for is something that my grandpa observed when he first watched the film uh, in cinemas, in the first first movie, A New Hope, he stepped out of the cinema and said, those stormtroopers couldn't hit the side of a barn, because their aim is terrible. My grandpa stepped out of a world-changing film, and that was his first comment. Uh, And it still actually is uh, the case. Uh, with the show playing around that, with that idea because people have been laughing at that reality and thinking about that reality for generations. Uh, I'm going to show you a little clip from The Mandalorian Show to give you a taste of what we think about. Video play, not just because these are supposed to be well-trained soldiers, uh, but because they didn't kill anyone. The story, therefore, became unrealistic. And of course it's unrealistic. It's a, it's a film about wizards in space with laser swords, uh, flying through the galaxy, saving the day. It's excellent, so I'm not dissing Star Wars, and I love it, but it's interesting to note that we have this inherent knowledge that makes this unrealism not sit right with us. We inherently know that death is certain. And this is something that goes back to the very beginning of the Bible. The Bible says that this certainty was a result of the fall, all the way back in Genesis. Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the knowledge of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as an active rebellion against God. And he cast them out of the garden. Humans could no longer be in his presence as we thought ourselves to be better than God, to be, uh, and we wanted to rule our own lives. This is sin. And the punishment for sin is death and eternal separation from God. At the same time as we're irked by the unrealism in Star Wars, it's interesting because when someone actually does die in a movie, we are genu- genuinely impacted by that as an audience. And that's because we know that death is a horrible reality. We fear it. Even now, I find it easier to talk about Hollywood deaths or the lack thereof, um, rather than the hard hitting true stories I could be telling. But the teacher in Ecclesiastes doesn't hold anything back he looks at life's one scary certainty and he describes it in intimate detail. And I'll read uh, from verse five, which says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Time forgets us all whether you're rich or poor, wise or foolish, we live, we die, we are forgotten in this world under the sun. And isn't that what we're afraid of? And that comes back actually to what Richard Ayoade said. He says, well, we're always out of time. The audience laughs at that, but it's true. So what do we do with that time we have now? Well, I could say something really optimistic and we get there in, in this passage, but first we look at the end of what was read tonight, the, the third section, and we see that it's actually difficult to do much with life, for it is uncertain. We see death is certain and life is uncertain. From, uh, let me read from verse 11. It says, I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favour to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all." At the start of the interview I showed, I didn't want to show you the whole thing, because it's a 10-minute interview, but at the very beginning, uh, Craig Ferguson introduced Richard, and, and they sit down together, and the first thing Craig does is he rips up his questions, and he sits down with a smile. The interview became this chaotic mess of a thing that was hilarious and very entertaining to watch. Um, And it started with a clip from Richard's film that he'd just directed, and it was only a few seconds, and so they talked about it for only a few seconds. He was there to do that, but they didn't talk about it. What ended up happening was a 30-second conversation about Richard's film, and then becomes a therapy session that ends up revealing Richard's fear of mice. Life is like that interview. We go through life and suddenly someone rips up the questions and we're forced to riff with whatever life throws our way. Verse 11 here is saying, the fastest don't always win the race. The strongest doesn't always win the battle. The wise people don't always get food. The brilliant don't always get wealth. The dedication you put into your job does not always equal that interview, that promotion, sorry. The hours with that friendship group doesn't always move you up the ranks. No amount of late nights or early mornings or dedication can beat random chance, and isn't that bleak? Let's skip over to chapter 11, uh, which builds on this idea a little more. So if you've got your Bible open, flip over a few chapters, it might be on the next page or two. Um, And I'll read from verse two down to verse six. It says, invest in seven ventures, yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon the land. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. Whoever watches the wind will not plant, whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. Life is uncertain. The tree falling section of this little poem I find to be particularly applicable for us here in Australia, as we see this kind of thing happening all the time, uh, especially here, those, for those of us that are in the Sutherland Shire, um, but there's lots of people online that are from all over the place, and uh, the reality of trees falling in a storm or because they're rotten is very, very real. One day, there's that, there's that tree that is, is rotten to the core or that wind that blows, uh, and that tree could fall on your house, or your car, or a person. I was chatting to a lady the other day, uh, who was taking out the bins, and we were chatting to this. I was chatting to this lady, and she was. Uh, she said she took the that she took the bins out and noticed one day that a gum tree in her yard had rotted. Now, it would rotted so much that it was about to fall, and so he she got it safely removed, and that was all okay. But what was amazing about this story was that she's never the one to take out the bins. Uh, her husband just happened to be away, and her husband wouldn't have known what to look for, and so it was her turn, so she took out the bins and happened to notice that this tree had rotten. If she had not noticed that, or her husband would not have, it, w- it could have fallen and caused some real damage. So, by random chance, she noticed this tree, and she noticed that it was safe. But we know that that doesn't always happen, does it? Just last year, multiple people in church that I was chatting to had trees fall on their cars and they were written off, multiple people. This was not just one conversation. It was crazy. And the teacher here in Ecclesiastes is using that as an example, uh, as he talks about the fact that life is uncertain. So what can we do? We live our lives knowing that we're gonna die. And we live our lives knowing that the life we have is uncertain and we may, we may never find anything good in life because we don't know what's actually gonna happen and random chance, uh, by random chance, could fall down on us in an instant. Just look at 2020, no one saw that one coming, did they? Time and chance happen to us all. I'm gonna quickly jump back to that interview with Richard and Craig. Uh, Richard drops that we're dying now line and Craig, he quickly responds to uh, the, seventh ju- the 7th of July is going to be good though. And that's, that's the next day for them. Uh, and that's literally what happens in this chapter. So ne- my next point is that um, how do we live life with this knowledge? We look at what is sandwiched between the certainty of death and the uncertainty of life. Now there is a little section that Gemma read out that starts with verse 7. It says, go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart for God has already approved of what you do. That's Ecclesiastes version of, we're dying now, but tomorrow's gonna be great. The, The 7th of July is gonna be good though. What it looks like the teacher's doing is he's saying, it's actually about your frame of mind. You can choose to enjoy the life you get. Choose to enjoy a conversation with a friend, the sun on your face, a good meal, a great hug, Uh, enjoy completing your work, cultivating your garden or your your many indoor plants that you may have. Verse 10 says, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. But in the realm of the dead, where you are going there, there is neither working nor planning nor knowledge nor wisdom. Just do life, chapter 11 says. Chapter 11, sorry, uh, that I was reading before says invest in everything because you never know what might work. Uh, 11.6 says, sow your seed in the morning and at evening. Let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. This book doesn't spend all this time looking at the meaningless of life and then say, don't even bother. Instead, it looks at the whole picture and it says, you can't control your, your death or your life, but you can do both. You can live and you can die and control your attitude. Verse 9 says, uh, we're we're back in chapter 9. Verse 9 says, Enjoy your life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days, for this is your lot in life, and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Enjoy the people you love, is what it's saying here. Enjoy your meaningless days. Enjoy your toilsome labor under the sun. Enjoy both the good things and the bad things, for they are a gift from God. 11 verse 10 says, so then banish anxiety from your heart. Sorry, chapter 11 verse 10 says, so then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Remember your creator, it then goes on to say. Remember God. but how do we do this it seems like an impossible task just to say the 7th of July is going to be great going to be great though the the little things in life that's all i need to focus on and just get on with it seems hard seems a little impossible and doesn't seem quite practical does it necessarily and it seems like a struggle because it is very hard Life under the sun is difficult, but we are blessed with something the teacher did not have. We have Jesus to put things in perspective. Firstly, Jesus takes the certainty of death that we spent the first part talking about and defeats it. We no longer have to fear its certainty because we know that death will not have the final say. Uh, I'm reading a book at the moment called, well, sorry, I just finished reading a book called The Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. And there's a really interesting section in, si- in that book that I'm going to read to you first. But I need to give you a little bit of context for what this book is about. Uh, the book is about a senior demon talking to a junior demon. The senior demon, his name is Screwtape, and he's writing letters to this junior demon to teach this demon how to like, mess with this dude uh, on earth, who they call the pa- his, their patient. Um, so they have to mess with the patient to try and get him to not follow God. Uh, And and lots of things happens like the the, the patient uh, is is in World War II and he becomes a Christian and he meets some people and it's all going well for the demon and then suddenly it's not. And we're getting to this point where the demon says, oh, Screwtape, senior demon, it's sick because the bombs are coming because it's World War II and he might die. And Screwtape writes this. Before I actually, before I read out what Screwtape writes, um, You've got to try and switch in your head the language uh, and realize that it's coming from a demon's perspective uh, rather than our own. It's a little interesting uh, thing that CS Lewis played around with. It's really actually quite, quite an effort to read because you're doing this the whole time. Uh, but it's a very interesting, helpful perspective on this topic. Let me read this now. Humans, of course, do tend to regard death as the prime evil and survival as the greatest good. But that is because we, the demons, have taught them to do so. Do not let us demons be infected by our own propaganda. I know it seems strange that your chief aim at the moment should be the very same thing for which the parents' lover and his mother are praying, namely his bodily safety. But so it is you should be guarding him like the apple of your eye. If he dies now, you lose him, for he is a Christian. If he survives the war, there is always hope. The enemy has guarded him from you, the enemy being God, has guarded him from you through the first great wave of temptations, but if only he can be kept alive, you have time itself as your ally. After Jesus, we see that death is not the prime evil anymore. Death is only bad if we don't follow God. Death is only advantage for these characters uh, in C.S. Lewis's book if, they, if, this, if their patient was not a Christian. For this demon, death is the opposite from what he wants because his patient, this man, is protected. As Christians, we are protected from the certainty of eternal death. Instead, we are given eternal life. The reality of Jesus doesn't pull us out of Ecclesiastes, though, we're still there. uh, For it says in the final words of this book, uh, in chapter 12, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. It's what Jesus says. Jesus says the, the, the commandments, the most important commandments, are love God and love one another. And if we do those things, we will be believing in him, and so we will have eternal life. And that judgment that, that C.S. Lewis is kind of playing around with here, um, we see that the New Testament addresses the same judgment. It doesn't change it. The human in C.S. Lewis's book uh, believes in Jesus, and his every deed will be brought into that judgment. And then that judgment will be put on Jesus. And that is the incredible reality that we have today. For Scrutate, the demon, doesn't want the character to die in the same way that he won't want us to die if we are Christians, because we will be going to God. And so Jesus takes away the certainty of death and defeats it. Now death will still happen, it is a reality, but there is something far greater afterwards. We as Christians no longer have to fear death's sting or it's certainty, because we know that death no longer has the final say. The second heavy bit that we talked about was the fact that there was an uncertainty for life, in life. And Jesus has something to say about that too. In John 10.10, he says, I have come that they, the people, may have life and have it to the full. We know the full life is possible because of Jesus. We can live that life through our faith in Jesus. In John 6, he said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus takes the uncertainty of this life and says, if you believe in me, there is one certainty. That certainty is that God is in control of everything. And if you believe in him, death is not scary and life is not scary. We know that he loves you and he is in control of your life. In my life, he loves me too. He has us as Christians in the palm of his hand, whether we are stumbling through the hardest things in life or we are skipping through the joys of life. If you are a Christian, then you are going to have the fullest life. And that life may suck now, (laughs) which is a weird sentence to say. And actually, it will. Uh, The Bible doesn't say otherwise. The Bible gives us passages like this one. Passages like whole books like Ecclesiastes, which don't soften their teachings as they talk about how hard life may be. But if you're a Christian, the fullest life will be eternal life with God. That is true life and life to the full. So I'm gonna conclude now. But isn't it excellent that as I conclude, I don't have to finish the sermon with what Richard Ayoade finishes that, uh, finishes that little video, that little interview saying, he said, I think we're dying now is exactly what you want to go to, to a break on. And then Craig waves and that's it, that, that's how it ends. This is the end, this sermon is the end of the Ecclesiastes series, but it doesn't end like that interview does. We go straight from we're dying now to Jesus. And what's really cool is we're, next week, we're starting our sermon series in Matthew, which all is all about Jesus' life. We are going literally straight from we're dying now to talking about how excellent Jesus is, and we're going to find out uh, what he has done for us in even more detail. And that's a fantastic truth to hold. If the Bible story ended there, it'd be pretty bleak. And the optimistic parts we talked about earlier, would be impossible. But we have Jesus. And because we have Jesus, we don't need to fear the certainty of death. We don't have to fear the uncertainty of life. And we can enjoy God's gifts here on earth. We can enjoy that hug. We can enjoy that sunrise. We can enjoy that friendship and our our loved ones. We can know that despite the uncertainty of life, there is a certainty of an eternal, perfect life in heaven with God. One way.